what's up everybody let's spin some yarn um first of all sorry for the break i guess uh it was inadvertent <laughs> i uh i haven't posted anything i think it's been about a week and a half going on two weeks since the last foundations episode dropped so um i just a lot going on um i'm gonna explain some of it in this episode uh it's just there's a lot going on. I'll get to that. Um, good stuff coming though. Uh, I also apologize if I sound a little off. Um, I'm extremely tired and not sick, but just allergies are destroying my entire soul. So a uh, little like weird dry mouth and like the congestion and all the crap. I'm sure a lot of you are experiencing this time of year. I always get wrecked this time of year, especially in the Pacific Northwest when the weather changes. It's just, it destroys me. Um, I've been purposefully delaying this one. I, I created an image for it a while back. Um, kind of is I thought I'd do it sooner uh, as like a what I've learned thing in relation originally to the whole cancer thing. I, I, I weirdly had this perspective going into it that I was going to like, like almost like I needed it to happen. I talked to some people close to me when it, it first came up about how I thought to myself once I was, was diagnosed that um, almost like, of course I was like, I, like I saw it coming in some weird way um, and that I like needed it, it, it in a weird way. Like I thought that it was something that, would kind of snap me out of what I thought was a, a negative predisposition towards certain things or like an outlook, um, that I, I, I needed something like this to overcome. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't know it would be this obviously. Um, but it just some kind of like adversity or, or experience in a way that would kind of make me appreciate things differently. Um, and, and I, so I kind of oddly, I think a lot of people in retrospect, look back after experiences like this and take the lessons from it. But I kind of went into it when it went into it, knowing that there was going to be lessons and I was, I was kind of looking for them. Uh, and then it went a weird way that I didn't really expect it to where, and I've mentioned it a few times on various different podcast when I was either talking to someone or I just kind of referenced it um, where dur like during the experience got diagnosed and then ended up at uh, a university hospital where the best doctors in the world were just telling me that I was going to be fine and I believe them and it, they were right <laughs> and I mean I like who knows what the future holds I mean I they were very open about the radiation treatment could cause follow-on cancers. Your cancer could come back. It's very unlikely, but, but, but. So there's always, you know, possibilities that things come back or that there's different variants that I could get based on the exposure and all this other stuff. But they are extremely confident that that's not going to happen. Um, and I'll get to some other reasons why I don't think it's going to happen, even though there's no way for me to know that later. But uh, so I, I kind of, as a, the scary part for me was the surgery, uh, I've got brain surgery, but it was, 
through my nose, removed a tumor or whatever. Um, it was gnarly, but it was, that was a scary part for me because they put me under and there was a possibility they were going to have to like split my whole head open and all this other craziness. So, um, that's what I was afraid of once that was over and I was recovering, um, it kind of got like discharged from the hospital recovering. That was the scary part for me when they said, describe radiation to me. It just, Oh, you're going to be miserable for like eight to 10 weeks and then you'll recover eventually and be fine. I was like, ah, so deployment got it. <laughs> like, and that's like, I, I explained that, uh, I don't know, whatever euphemism to my oncologist and he got a kick out of that. But, um, that was the easy part for me, even though it sucked. Like I was miserable. Don't get me wrong. Like I say, that was the easy part. And my wife will probably roll her eyes. Cause I, I was miserable for a good period of time. Went on a liquid diet for a couple of weeks, lost 25 pounds. It was, it was gnarly, but it was, it's like, I can do that. Like, I know I have the capacity to exist in a dark place for a long period of time because I've done it a whole bunch of times <laughs> and it's not fun. And I don't like it when it's happening. And I mean, there's probably moments where I'm a miserable wreck of a human being, but I know I can, there's never any doubt in my mind that I can do that. Um, what I didn't see coming was the anxiety and mood stuff I, I hesitate to say depression um only because it's never I, i've never been in a place where it's been like self-loathing where i've where i've had um issues with my own like self-worth or value or anything like that i've never at least not i mean in this in this period of my life i've never it, it was never suicidal ideations thoughts behaviors anything like that i, I never got I never even trended that direction at all. It was just, um, I just wasn't happy. And I, to the point where I, I like during radiation treatment, um, it might've been right before actually, but it was right around when I started, I was real irritable. I was real short with people. Um, uh, me and my wife, like she was a saint, uh, about it, but she, dealt with it for a bit and then kind of uh confronted me about it at the same time I started to notice it um I remember vividly I was shoveling dirt out of my truck because I mean at the when I first started radiation I still felt I felt normal like I felt almost I probably better than I had in a really long time because I was sleeping better because I didn't have a giant tumor in my uh sinuses anymore so I could breathe better um and the, the effects of the radiation treatment are cumulative. So like the fatigue and all the, all the gnarly stuff hadn't happened yet. I think I had had like one treatment at that point. And so I was shoveling dirt out of my truck into garden beds and planters and stuff. Um, and this little girl next door, uh, right next door, neighbor just said, hi neighbor. <laughs> and I, I felt myself turning around to snap at her for like, violating my silent on moment of whatever was I don't know like zen or whatever where I was just like working and I, I caught myself thank god um and then I was immediately like disgusted with myself for think for even like turn like you know what I mean? like even having that thought cross my mind and turning to actually act on it like I was just so angry and irritable and just on a hair trigger all the time 
and I thought it was really weird and that it was kind of like I I told my wife about that thing and then that kind of I, I had cracked the door open for her to walk through <laughs> and be like you need to figure this out because you've been short with me and irritable and snappy and just kind of not a super fun person to be around she kind of she kind of told me like you need to do something about this um and this was more of like the mild introductory conversation and then later on after radiation was over because i mean i was in bed a lot and i was miserable all the time so it was like i mean i had other reasons to be miserable but so, so this was this was like the first time she brought it up um after i recovered from radiation so this is like months later i like it kind of i was kind of okay i was i was just happy to be f- feeling better and all this other stuff and then I, I went back to work not long after um i kind of i still had fatigue but I, all like all the gnarly um like side effects and stuff had kind of cleared up and then it kind of started happening again and it was affecting our relationship and that's when she kind of was like you you need to fix this this clearly isn't related to like directly related to the treatment, like the discomfort and all the crappiness. It was something else going on here and you need to figure it out. And then weirdly, uh, it was just like coincidentally, like a, a couple of guys mentioned to me, uh, that they had gone to like a mental health counselor, like chiefs, just guys I was interacting with during inspections or buddies of mine or whatever like just in normal interactions just weirdly it kept coming up like over and over and it wasn't i wasn't out telling this story i wasn't out like talent sharing all my all my uh intimate moments and and the weak points where i was snappy and whatever i wasn't telling everybody about the stuff they just mentioned it as i talked a little bit about retirement or just in general they just kind of mentioned um that they were going to go do it and they suggested i should do it um, and it kept coming up. And so finally it, it, in kind of, I had the, in my mind, like, Hey, I have this issue. My wife is telling me I need to deal with it. Other people are suggesting this thing I talk about on this podcast that like the, the go ask for help if you need it in relation to anything. So, uh, I took some of my own medicine and I went and talked to my doc and was like, I, I, I I push it and I champion it that there shouldn't be like a a negative connotation or whatever attached to like mental health treatment. And my perception is that there really isn't anymore. It's very accepted to a a very accepted thing to go do uh, to deal with the stress of our job. Right. Um, I'm also old. (laughs) I've been around a long time and for the lion's share of my career, it was this weird taboo thing, especially in the submarine forest. We have this weird cultural thing where it's like you're quitting or something. Um, and I'm sure that applies elsewhere, but I just, there was always that it's like that scarring in your, in the back of your mind where, um, you know, it's okay now, but it used to not be. So, I have just this scarring in the back of my mind that makes me think of the negative uh, reactions people used to have to it. And so it's kind of just this thing where you might want to do it, but you avoid it like the plague because 
you could you lose your security clearance or you could get ostracized from the community or people could judge you or and all, all the other things that they're all reasons that are that people still fear it today um i still see it talked about but i i, I was like consciously aware that it wasn't a those aren't things i need to be worried about anymore but i st- it still made me hesitate a little <laughs> like i still it t- still took me a little bit but i went and talked to my doc and i pulled him into a room and just said hey man what does mental health counseling look like for a guy like me and i was you know like i'm like i'm not suicidal i'm not depressed i don't think at least not in a way where it's like self-loathing or like that I have like issues there with my own value or anything like that. It's it's, but there's something wrong and I don't know what it is because, and that was the weirdness of it for me was that I looked at my whole cancer experiences behind me and that I'm totally fine and there's nothing to worry about. So why would I have an issue with that? So what, why do I have this anxiety? Cause I couldn't sleep and, I had that like real nervous feeling in my stomach constantly and it would keep me awake. Or if I did fall asleep, I'd wake up a lot and I'd have trouble getting back to sleep. So I couldn't sleep. I was in a terrible mood. I was worried about stupid things. I was really short tempered. So, um, I just told him like, Hey, like I, I don't know what's going on here, but I think I need to talk to somebody and figure it out. Like I need to start trying to figure it out because it's like one of those things where I'm a big fan of trying to do it myself (laughs) and solve the problem. I like fixing things, but I, I, I pretty quickly realized that I had no idea what was wrong. So how do I fix something if I don't know what's wrong, but I, something's definitely wrong. I just don't know what it is. So, um, I skeptically went into it kind of, I don't know. I I've, I was just worried about maybe like the, the experience itself. Would I be as open-minded as I needed to be? Would I get the right person? I've heard a lot of people talk about like, oh, you gotta like, you gotta just keep saying no until you get the right one that like you connect with and whatever. Um, I think I got pretty lucky cause I, I first guy I talked to I, initially not going to lie, passed a little judgment when I first walked in cause he's extremely young. Um, and I was just like, oh, great. Yeah, I'm totally going to be able to, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't think I'd be able to relate to him or connect to this dude at all because he's super young lieutenant, um, but he's awesome. And I'm really glad that I did it and stuck around. But um, what was really weird for me, just to rewind some, I guess, I, I, this is a little meandering and I apologize, but a little stream of consciousness <laughs> today. Um, I was confused because like when we first started talking yeah like one of the first things we talked about was like kind of when did this start and I was like well like when it became a problem was when cancer happened but when did it start I'm like uh years ago like I was I've, I've always kind of had some anxiety that I mean, it affected me, but I just didn't think it was a problem. I was just, I just thought it was normal, like nervousness. I didn't really, I I probably wouldn't have called it anxiety back then. I would have just, it's just like a, I'm nervous about a thing that's happening tomorrow or whatever. 
an example is like when I stood diving off to the watch in my last submarine. Um, for those of you that don't know, I've talked about it a few times, but just in case, just to recap, it's like flying an airplane underwater. So that's kind of the the job. If you ever you know watch a submarine movie or something, it's the guy in the chair that's piloting the submarine. Um, you're in control of the two the two guys or gals that are in front of you driving. So one's can one's generally controlling um, effectively up down. You know, like if you're thinking about like ascent and descent for an airplane, so like increases or decreases in depth. Uh, and then there's one that's controlling uh, your angle. And generally the, the up down one is also the rudder. So that's like direction and up down. And then one's kind of controlling the angle of the submarine, which also affects up down because point something in a direction and add propulsion, it's going to go that direction generally. Um, and then you're also controlling buoyancy. So like one of the ways in which we kind of pilot a submarine is you uh, pump water on and off the submarine and ballast tanks to make it either positively or negatively buoyant. And you have to kind of, there's a lot of math, get into load supportability and all these things where you, you're calculating like the the weight of the submarine and what a neutral trim is. And you, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into it, but you, you're in charge of all those things. You're in charge of those watchstanders. You're in charge of the guy. Uh, there's another watchstander that's a very senior enlisted watchstander called the chief of the watch um, that is the operator of the panel. We call it the ballast control panel that uh, in addition to actually pumping the water where I need it to. So I'll, I'll give him an order to move water where I want it. Uh, he's also in control of like all of the MC circuits. So he'll be the one on the one MC making announcements, uh, kind of like the casualty coordinator. Like when, a, if there were weird, to have a fire or flooding, he's controlling all the things, the alarms, the, he pressurizes the fireman. He does all kinds of stuff. Um, or she nowadays, I, I, I had enlisted officers, so it's not always as quick for me to, correctly pronoun things. I, so I apologize, but definitely some, uh, some female sailors out there qualified chief of the watch and dive and such. So I want to make sure I get that in there as well. But, um, so that's what I, I when I was standing that watch, you're, you're the most senior enlisted watch in the submarine. You're in charge of the entire watch section. Um, I have an officer of the deck above me, but that's it, you know? Um, and then, and a lot of times they trust <laughs> me and ask for my recommendations or advice. So that's also daunting. Um, but you're responsible for ship safety. Um, you're, I'm, I'm driving the ship like <laughs> for all intents and purposes, like I'm literally driving, piloting, whatever you want to call it, the submarine. Um, and it's terrifying for me. I, I don't know if other people feel this way and just do a great job of hiding it. I've never... I should probably ask some buddies of mine, um, but it scares the bejesus out of me. It's just one of those things where I am, I don't think I'm wired to like, I can do it. And I, I think I, when I'm forced into that type of situation, I rise to the occasion and I, I'm very well prepared. And I, I study a lot. Um, I, I do the best I possibly can. And, as a result of that preparation and just me taking it seriously, I generally do pretty well. So that was what was weird about it is I, I was doing well standing that watch, but I hated it. 
I don't like the feeling of having, at least in my mind, having people's lives in my hand or or having people and the ship's safety in my hands. I, it's not something that I like. <laughs> it's not something that I uh, I deal with well. Um, and it's so it affected me quite a bit where I, I, I would worry a lot that I was never going to be prepared. Or I wasn't going to know what to do when something happened or even when we were just doing drills or at certain evolutions. Um, Cause like you go to periscope depth, it's a really dangerous thing. Um, and we did it all the time. So it was just like every watch I'd probably go to PD at least once. Um, and then drills you do, you you're doing things with the, the ship uh, that are, I kind of freaked me out um, that, the, you know, like you're, you're not just pretending like you're actually doing a lot of things with the submarine um, when you're running ship shipwide drills uh, for like casualties and stuff like that. Um, and so I just always was thought like thought I was going to screw up. So I was constantly studying. I'd, lo- I'd kind of like look ahead, see what we we're going to do the next day. And then I'd study and then I'd be skin in the rack to go to sleep and I couldn't sleep because I was thinking and worrying and whatever. Um, so that's kind of the, the origin of it. That's as far back as I can remember it anyway, because I never had the same type of concern about my job. Uh, the first chief story I did, I was qualified some of these things. Um, but mostly when I was a chief, I mostly only stood duty in port. Uh, they just didn't. I was just on the Mestex doing the CS chief things, uh, when we were at sea, I did some other stuff too. Um, but not, wasn't really in control standing watch, um, for the, like I did a little bit at the beginning of my time there, but after I made chief, cause I was there as a first class for a while after I made chief, I didn't really, uh, spend much time in the control room. So I, and I don't recall ever worrying about my job in the same way. Like I, I definitely, I had a concern like that that drove me to prepare uh, work really hard to make sure we had everything we needed and my guys were trained and all the things were going right. But I never remember like being anxious about the possibility of failure or anything like that. Like I, I never had that issue because I felt like I could just prepare my way out of it. And I, it was one of those things I felt like I was like a, very high level expert at what I was doing. So I I just felt like I was as prepared as I could possibly be and I'd be all right. But when I got into this realm, I think in addition to my just not being wired for this type of task, I never felt prepared. I never felt like I had like that high level understanding, even though I, I mean, other people would say that I did, but I never, I just didn't agree with them. I had a CO and a, and a, chief of the boat that all they said you're really good at this and that you you get it and you, you're better at this than you think you are and they were trying to kind of reassure me and I just never felt like I had a great command of it and it just terrified me um, because of the consequences were so high of like screwing it up the consequences were extremely high um, so that's kind of the where it began um, and I never really took it super seriously I just thought it was normal without ever exploring if it was, which I'm, I'm curious to see, like I mentioned, if other people kind of thought about it the same way or had the same issues. But, um, and then we talked about kind of like the why of, of how I arrived at, it was like, it was always kind of there beneath the surface. Um, I, I think that 
my work life balance was always terrible. Oh, almost always terrible. Um, but I was working so much that it would distract me from it. As long as I wasn't in those types of scenarios where I was in a position where people's lives or safety were, (laughs) uh, in my hands. Um, so it didn't, it didn't become such a large issue that I felt like I had to deal with it in any kind of, uh, way that where it's like, I, I really need to make this a priority and I need to take some type of actual action besides just grinning and bearing it. So then when I got diagnosed, uh, the way I've been describing it is it's kind of, so it was always there. It was always beneath the surface, but I was able to just kind of ignore it the cancer thing was like pulling a pin on a hand grenade in my brain. Like it just, all of it came to the surface immediately. And it's like, you're going to deal with this right now and didn't care how I felt about it. Didn't care if I was ready or if it was a convenient time. It was just like, Nope, we're doing this now. I'm like, okay. Um, and I still don't quite understand why Um, still working on that, but, um, as I've kind of started dealing with this, I've been talking to uh, my therapist for like, it's probably been like six weeks. I've seen him like five times. It's been like an every two weeks type thing. Um, Just saw him today. It's been like a, what kind of trying to just figure out what, I need to do to get some type of a healthy balance in my life to, to level me out, I guess. Um, and that in addition to just like talking through all these things, because I still don't feel like I know why it's an issue. And weirdly, like I'm gonna, I've come coming to the a conclusion sort of, of, at least the effects of it, I guess, or, or what I've learned <laughs> starting to get to the part of, about what I've learned is um, I, I was considering retirement. I've talked about that a bunch where I've, I've been going back and forth about it. A couple of reasons why I was still hung up on not doing it was um, the first one was I felt like I, well, I'm healthy now, so I'm fine, whatever. I can still do all the things I wanted to do, but I had in the back of my mind, I was, I had this question about like, well, well, why did I get cancer? And I know that's probably, it feels like an almost impossible question to answer, but I decided to take a shot and ask my oncologist, um, who shockingly to me, uh, not definitively, but pretty close. (laughs) He told me that the only risk factor I had was work related stress. And he's like that. I mean, that's basically why, even though it's, it's, there's no way for him to be positive. He's just like, the only risk factor you have is work related stress. And it's not normal work related stress, like normal people outside of, you know, I mean, there's some people in, in the, the quote unquote civilian world that, you could find like a police officer or like a firefighter. So I don't know, like there, I'm sure there's, there's jobs like that are s- just stupid, stressful in the civilian world. But 
He goes, your level of stress at work isn't normal. It's like insane. And it's the only risk factor that you have. So it's like, it's, it's work related stress. And he's like, I'm not telling you how to live your life because it's not my place. But if I were you, <laughs> I would remove that risk factor. Um, so that was a pretty shocking conversation to have where I, I didn't, I thought I was going to get this hemming and hawing like, ah, well, we're not really sure. So many things can feed into it, blah, blah, blah. But it was not that. And then, so that was one thing that pushed me towards retirement, uh, even more as I'm fearing for my future med like future, just like health and wellness. But then the big thing was I'm a guy that no matter how much I don't want to do a thing, if I feel like I have some sort of an obligation to someone, that's always going to outweigh my desire, my personal desire to do it or not. Um, and I can tell you, I have zero desire to ever deploy again, <laughs> which feels like an obvious thing to say. Like, I, I mean, there are some people that like going on deployment, but they're crazy. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't have any desire to ever deploy on a submarine again. Um, However, it was like there, I, I constantly get from people that I know. And then people, even through this podcast that are like the submariners that are listening that really, really want me to go be a cob and let me know what boat you're going to be on. And, and all these things, like some, a couple guys like, Oh, you should go be, you should be the force and you should be a fleet and you should be all these things. And so based on those those people, you feel this, this sense of obligation. I have a lot of mentors that think I'd be a really great cop and I'm really appreciative for that because I, like I've talked about on the podcast, have a complex about being a cook. Like I, I felt this need to go out there and do it and do it well. And then look around the room and kind of flip everyone on the bird and be like, I told you, you know, like I told you I'd be good at this. I told you I could do it. Um, but I had a conversation with a mentor of mine recently who also oddly, uh, had, had neck cancer, um, and was a cop three times and a command master chief. And he's the guy that basically taught me how to be a chief. And, uh, we're connected and we're talking about our experiences with cancer and all these other things. But during the conversation, uh, he said two things that, finally made it me feel like it's okay to retire. Um, I didn't even know it was a thing I needed until it was said because I was still hung up. Like I still was like, I, I knew I wanted to, I knew I, f I felt like it was the right move, but in the back of my mind, I knew that I was going to go back to sea again until this happened, uh, where he, Basically, he told me two things. Uh, one, which I I was a little surprised by because when he was my cob, um, he didn't. I I wasn't standing watching control, and and whether or not it's true or not, I felt like it was because I was a cook, and he didn't think that I would be good at it, and I was being underestimated. And maybe that's just my complex speaking. I don't know. Um, but he told me when we talked, he's like, I, "You would be." a great cop. He's like, you'd be better than 99.9% .9 of the people doing it. And so that struck me, uh, in a pretty powerful way that he, for him to believe that I would be extremely good at it. I like, 
there's no one whose opinion on this would would matter more to me um and then also said but you don't have to do it and and kind of we he we went on and to talk about like kind of the why and and his experiences with some things but it was like that effectively gave me permission to retire like it was and he's and I, i've talked to my wife and my parents about it but it's just like i don't think there's anybody else that could have done that for me um they could have said that and it would have mattered in the way that it did where it was like i i didn't know what i was hung up on but it's like i needed someone or something or i don't even know i didn't i didn't know until it happened i needed permission from someone i needed somebody some kind of authority and i didn't even know if it existed to grant me permission to to retire to say hey it's okay for you to to take care of you it's okay for you to make a decision that's selfish and and like self-serving and that sounds negative but it's really not like i it's okay after 20 years of giving pieces of yourself to this organization to these people to this mission that it's okay for you to call it a day um and, and that was what kind of did it for me. So that's, that's where I'm at now is I am, I am 100% retiring in January of 23. Um, the decisions made now. Um, and it was hilarious to me, ironic, whatever, humorous in a way where I, this conversation happened, the switch flipped, I made the decision and I swear to God, 24 hours later, I got an email from uh, the medical folks saying that I got a waiver <laughs> where the radiation people and then the other medical people at Bumed gave me a waiver for all my medical stuff to go back on submarines permanently. Like I could go back as a cop if I wanted to. Um, and it was just funny because I got that. And you see, you'd think, well, maybe that might sway you. And it didn't at all. I didn't even blink. I was just like, well, better late than never, I guess. But it's, I just don't care. Um, I'm, I'm, I've arrived at that decision where it's just, I can't. Because I, I, one of the things, I've seen people that stick around too long, um, that become bitter and jaded and angry and, negatively affect the people that they're supposed to be leading and mentoring and, and helping accomplish this mission that we do. And I, I've seen that and I've always told myself, I'm not going to be that guy. I don't care what my lot in life is. I'm not it, like when it's time to go, I'm going to go because I don't want to stick around just for the sake of sticking around and end up being a burden on people. And I feel like I'm there. Um, I feel like if I went back, it would be because I I've talked about it before. And I, I think a lot of the people that only know me through the podcast that are, that had been encouraging me to go back as a cob, they might've missed the part where I explained, I have a really hard time regulating my mood when I'm underway on nuclear power. Um, I have a really hard time like staying in a positive mindset, staying focused on the right things. Um, I think a lot of that is just the way I'm 
wired and a lot a lot of it recently like on my last submarine was it was the first time i had deployed with somebody at home i had been single the whole time until i met my wife uh and so when i was deploying on that last submarine i wasn't used to missing someone like that and i didn't like it at all (laughs) and i don't deal with it well so um yeah i have a really difficult time with that and then with those kind of the mental headspace that I'm in now and with all the things I got going on where I just feel like I need a lot more balance in my life. I need a lot more focus on the things that will make that balance like healthy and productive and that will like put me in a, in a good place where I'm like a good person on a regular basis where I'm, I'm happy, where I'm a good husband, all the, these things that I want, I don't think it would be productive for me to go back to sea. Even if I was able to, to chiclet and duct tape myself back together to like a, a physically and mentally healthy human being. And I think I, I might be able to pull that off in the next year and a half. And then if I went back to sea, it would all just explode. And that wouldn't be good for me, uh, and it definitely wouldn't be good for the sailors that um, I would be charged with leading. So I just, it is what it is. I'm a little, like, pseudo-bummed that uh, it worked out this way, but but it is what it is. Like, I'm I'm okay with it. I've arrived at a place where I'm I'm at peace with the decision, and um, so I figured that I should put that out because I've been hemming and hawing about it for so long. But um, the podcast won't go away. That's a thing I will continue to do. And I think that that's another part of it that's got almost got me excited about the amount of bandwidth I will be able to devote to this thing. Um, it's kind of one of the one of the positives that I always kind of had on that end of the, the pros and cons list was that if I do retire, I'll have a tremendous amount of time and more freedom. I've put limiters on myself, uh, where I'm, you know, my face and name aren't on it. Uh, I don't, I'd like to do other things like YouTube and I've been invited to do public speaking, uh, engagements. And I, I just, I'm like, I can't, unless you want to do it remotely without my face, which most, most people don't. <laughs> so that's why I haven't done them. Um, but I've been invited to a bunch of stuff that I just, I can't go do it only be, because I'm limiting myself in that I don't want my face and name on this while I'm on active duty. So, um, and there's a bunch of other stuff I want to do as well, but so there's that. Um, but the, I guess I should probably like to, for the, what I've learned part is that it's like the more I've, and, and I know this is a little cliche, but like, I feel like the more I know, the more I know that I don't know, like the less intelligent or prepared or whatever I feel to be an adult <laughs> and to like, I don't know, um, be in this world and existing as just a mature and, and healthy human. It's like, I, I feel like the more and more I think I know, the, the less and less I actually do. And so I try to consume more and study more and prepare more and just kind of make myself better. But it's like, I weirdly feel like 
almost like an adult child. <laughs> like it's so weird. It's hard to articulate. Um, where it's like you feel like when you get, I'm mean, I'm almost forty. You feel like you get you would get to a place in life where you feel a lot more like secure uh, as you mature and as you just like get more life experience, become more intelligent through experiences of life and study and and whatever. And, and I mean, I have, but I also, I don't know. I just feel this weird vulnerability where it's like, I, I don't know. Like I, I there's so much I don't know. Like I, I'm thinking, even thinking about retirement, like I don't know how to civilian, <laughs> you know how many times I've been asked all this stuff about like my, my medical insurance at civilian hospitals. Cause they just did, didn't quite understand TRICARE. Uh, and, and I'm, I don't know anything about a civilian's health insurance and how it works and what they need to charge it and all this. I've never had to do any of that stuff. Um, but there's a lot of other things I've never had to do. So that's going to be a weird adventure. Um, but yeah, I just, I think the, the biggest thing that I learned is like that there's a, there's a, limit and I, I I always knew it was real in a way but I kind of was also in denial I just thought I had the world's broadest shoulders and strongest back I guess where there's a limit to how much you can give of yourself before the wheels start falling off the wagon and um, I I I guess I just never thought I'd find the bottom or I'd retire before I did. Um, but that didn't happen. I, I, I found, uh, that I couldn't continue to give, uh, oops, drop something. I couldn't continue to give, uh, productively and effectively until, like I got my myself in order and it was weird because for a long period of time I was able to, but I think I just like, I, I took so many pieces of myself away and a lot of that was just a sacrifice of time. And I just was fully, fully focused on the people that I was charged leading and the mission and whatever that, um, eventually like you turn around and like I didn't have anything I just it was just me and a one-bedroom apartment (laughs) and I went to and from work uh and and we were we had such a crazy op tempo and all these other things and the and there were things that I was distracted by primarily um but also like I I, it was really rewarding I had a lot of uh human relationships and endure to this day when I was out on some of the submarines but it was like when it all kind of stops, it's like, what do you, what do you got? Like, what, uh, what do you, <laughs> who's there to catch you? <laughs> like I didn't, what's weird is with COVID and the treatment and everything, there was a long period of time where I didn't have a mission and I didn't know what to do with my hands. And, uh, all that, anxious energy uh that i would direct towards the long work hours and the problems that would come up and the preparation and all the things that i needed to do and then the actual work that 
needed to be done and the watch standing and all those other things like when that wasn't there anymore uh, I kind of self-destructed like I I all that energy needed to go somewhere and it didn't have anywhere to go and so it started uh started to eat me alive kind of um and so I it's like I have to I have to find a way to productively use all that and get some life balance at the same time so that I can be productive in all these other ways that I want to be because it was a weird I during the I just had a we had our wedding ceremony it was delayed by because of COVID we've actually been married for like a year but um we had the ceremony about a month ago at this yeah about a month ago a little less than um and my best friend was in town also a submariner but he's been out for a long time got out after his first enlistment um he asked me he's like dude i know you too well to think that you can retire from the military and be happy without a sense of purpose like without the fulfillment you get from like being a chief and, and leading sailors and all this stuff so he's like how are you gonna get that i was like oh the podcast that's easy i've already i've already checked that box like i have all of the satisfaction i could ever want from like the helping people part like the leadership stuff i'll never not have that as so long as i have this platform or something like it uh also i'll have my bachelor's degree probably like i finished my bachelor's like in the fall for organizational leadership and then i i should be able i got to work with a different school but i got to fit and i figure out how long it's going to take but i should be able to finish my master's degree uh either bef- either before or just after i retire um, and I intend to teach. I think that'll be super rewarding as well. So that was never a question, but it was, it's like, so I could have that. Right. And it's not, but it's not the same thing as the all consuming expenditure of all of your resources <laughs> and energy that's required to do the job that we do in the way that I believe it should be done. So that's the part that's weird. That's the part that it, in my inability to balance, I jettisoned all the normal things people do. And all I did was work in the absence of that. I need to like reinsert all of the things normal people do. So, uh, I need to, I need like a, some kind type of social life, which all of my closest friends and I'm a small circle type of guy all live in different places. Uh, not here. So I, I it's like, I need to create some type of a, a social structure. Um, I need to do activities with other people besides just my wife <laughs> and like her family, which is now my family and I love them to death, but it's like, yeah, I need my f- own friends um, do things I'm interested in, learn things, um, be productive. Uh, like basically one of the things my therapist had me do is write down all my priorities and then write down what I'm doing to actually work towards those or, or kind of like take care of those, like kind of goals, kind of priorities, but like, what am I doing? Like what action am I taking to that end? Uh, and if I'm not, what do I, I need to like plan to, um, 
and so I'm trying, I'm looking at all those things like, uh, like future retirement preparation, financial stuff, uh, security, like just all this stuff that I wrote down as a priority. Like, okay, so what am I doing to work towards those things? Like even like family, like, like my family is all not even close to the state that I'm living in. So like spending more time when I retire, like routinely visiting to try to get as much time as I can. Cause my parents are not getting younger. Uh, and my brothers, my nieces and nephews, stuff like that. Um, I've been gone for majority of their lives at this point. Um, what am I going to do to do all of those things? And the kind of the conglomeration of all that is what should fill that void, give an outlet to that anxious energy and, and kind of level me out. That's the plan anyway. And it's, it seems to be helping a little bit. I can tell you that I'm definitely in a better place than when I started. Uh, it's not fixed. And one of the things he said today is it's like, it's not linear. He's like, you're doing well now. You might not be doing well in a few weeks and that's okay. Um, but it's, it's, there's a plan. And I mean, one of the things I recently started doing jujitsu, finally, I jujitsu and kickboxing, which I've always wanted to do. Um, it's super fun. <laughs> it's like being a little kid again, almost like just on recess. It feels like recess for adults. It's, it's, it's awesome. I, I love it. Um, but the, I guess the biggest thread I can come because I was trying to think of like I was trying to like pull all these lessons out of it that was my plan anyway it was like I'm gonna pull all these lessons out and I'm gonna share them with everybody and then I, I the only thing that I can definitively say is that the more I know the more I feel like I don't know and that that's kind of it's kind of a good thing and that I am using the help that's available to me to figure some of that stuff out <laughs> and it's good. I'm, I'm glad that I have the help. I'm glad that I was actually open enough to the help because if I had tried to do this myself, I'm positive I would have failed miserably. Uh, and it probably would have affected a, a lot of things that are dear to me. Um, so yeah, I guess, I mean, this has gone on way longer than I planned it, but as far as what I've learned, I mean, I hope, I hope that just the dialogue, the stream of consciousness is useful to someone. I know this is a little off the beaten path for what I normally do, but, uh, I, it felt needed. It felt like a thing I wanted to kind of put out there for all of you. Um, just so you kind of know where I'm at, where I'm headed, what the plan is, but also just, Sometimes when I have these gaps, it's like, that's what's going on. Um, there's days where I just don't want to do anything. Uh, and when I have bad days, it's like the last thing on my to-do list is the podcast and that sucks. And it's not like I don't want to do it. I just, I have a really hard time put getting myself to do anything. Um, I've had lots of those days lately, which is awesome. And I'm hoping to get more stuff done for when I do have those days. And I hope to just continue having less of those days and all those things, but, um, it's going to happen. It is what it is. Um, also, uh, excited for what's to come. 
that I get to kind of open up the aperture a little bit and start using uh, like more mediums and more like I'll just have more options for the podcast and the expanding the platform, having more conversations, just doing new and different things for all of you. Um, so that's cool too. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess I'll wrap this thing up. Uh, it's a weird, uh, there's no natural stopping point here. Cause I was just, just streaming what's in my brain about this kind of thing, but hopefully that wasn't too terrible. Um, as always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can hit us up on Instagram or Reddit at DGS podcast. Um, get in the discussion thread on, on Reddit and stuff. Um, and just let me know, uh, if you need anything, if you got any questions, if you got any suggestions, uh, I'm always in for topic suggestions. Um, got a heritage episode coming up next that I just finished an outline on. And then, uh, should be another, um, foundations coming up. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's really it. Uh, got some other stuff I'm working on passively that I'll announce when I get to a place where I'm ready to launch. So that'll be cool to you. And that's really it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>